justice, does any of that influence the things that you're passionate about? Does any of that creep into the Camp Hill Chronicles? We don't cover criminal cases, as it were, but I think our efforts to cover, cover the towns, to cover the town council and the mayor's efforts are a way of political justice. We're keeping them informed so that they know the best ways to vote. So it's just, it's just in the way of keeping democracy alive. Welcome to Democracy and Informed Citizen Podcast. I'm Byron Williams. And I'm Laura Anderson. Laura, today's conversation is unique because in addition to representing a commitment to producing a local community publication, it's also a story about and intergenerational collaboration. That does stand out about this one. We we wanted an interview with Gene Mosley and Cameron Brooks for the podcast, and I believe you you wanted to interview them together, but it was just too difficult to schedule. Yes, you're exactly right. I ended up interviewing them separately, but when I spoke with Gene Mosley and Cameron Brooks, it's clear they share similar goals for the local paper they're publishing. They have different methods of achieving the goals. And here's my conversation with Gene Mosley. I want to begin this conversation by having you describe uh, the paper uh, that, that you publish. Okay, the name of the paper is the Camp Hill Chronicles. And it's been, right now, uh, produced by a very, very meager staff. And I need more staff. And um, But we try to cover all areas of news, like uh, current news and uh, births and deaths and uh, editorials and opinions and whatever else. And, and we're getting ready to go into advertisements and... Now, when you say meager staff, uh, actually, how many do you have? Well, actually, we had about four, um, and and I'm working on trying to get more. Now, how long um, has this publication been in existence? Well, can I give you a brief history of our newspaper? Please. Uh, it started as a school project some years ago. And the students were doing the newspaper. They did the um, layout and design, and they did uh, uh, reporting, and they sold the ads, and they and it was quite a popular paper. But in a small rural community like we have, we couldn't keep our school open. They closed our school, so that just kind of threw us for a loop, and we kind of. Uh, regrouped and decided to try it again with community members because it was such a successful paper when we were doing it some years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just two of us in the beginning, um, one student and myself. Mm-hmm. And we pretty much put the first edition together ourselves. How often do you, do you, publish, do you publish the Chronicles? Well, our goal was to do it once a month, but we've been having a little difficulty getting it finished in in a month's time. So mm-hmm. I think we're going to do a quarterly for a while until mm-hmm. we can get a 
a better or or more people on staff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, let's say I come to your community and, and I see a copy of the Chronicles. Give me an idea of what I might be reading. You might be reading um, uh, like the f- first edition that we did. The front page was all about we had just elected a young 21-year-old recent. Well, in fact, he hadn't even graduated from college, but he was a, a resident of this community. Mm-hmm. And he ran for mayor and he won the election, so you'll be reading uh, local news like that. Uh, if somebody graduated and went to a college, uh, or you may read uh, opinions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we included in this second edition births and deaths. And actually, we consider ourselves uh, a first-class newspaper, if you really want to know the truth. We hear it again, Laura, a rural community newspaper published by people who want to help people know one another better. Yeah. I mean, even in small places where it's thought that everybody knows everybody, knowing one's fellow community members these days is a challenge. The newspaper publishers we're hearing from seem to believe that knowing one's community is important for democracy. In the case of Camp Hill, the closing of their K-12 school affected how community members related to one another. I mean, it's been a decade since the school was closed, but it sounds like a raw, recent event in your interviews. It does. Mrs. Mosley, who retired from teaching at the school, and Cameron Brooks, who was so young he never attended the community school when, when it was open, speak of the school's closing. Just listen now to my interview with Cameron Brooks. I want to begin by having you, first of all, describe where you live. Tell us a little bit about your community. Uh, Camp Hill is a small rural town with a population barely over a thousand. We had a history of I, I, let's, how do we say this? Again, I come back to this phrase, and there's not a word for it, of a sort of hometown patriotism where we would, where we had the, the school to act as our heart. And it was a, really our rallying point of what kept the town together. Not to mention the former bustling, bustling boulevard of industry that we had. And we've kind of lost that recently, but it is making a comeback through efforts, uh, through the efforts of my mayor and efforts like the newspaper. When you say you lost it, uh, any specific reasons why you lost it? Can, and then you can point to it, just sort of an evolution of sorts. I would say the closing of Edward Bell was a major contributing factor because and we, can, we can see evidence for that. Uh, what brings many of Camp Hill's former citizens back into the town are our class reunions. So I think that's, that's evidence within itself of how detrimental the school's closing was to that hometown patriotism. Now, Edward Bell's a school, right? Is that correct? Yes, sir. You are currently a high school senior. Where, where do you attend high school? Daveville High School. I've only not been to Daveville exactly one day in my life. 
also the majority of the people that I've interviewed uh, for this Democracy in the Informed Citizen podcast have long since graduated from high school. How did you become involved in the project? It was Mayor Messiah Williams' call. He texted me on whether I had any interest in journalism, and I said yes. And he invited me to a meeting with the former Everbell librarian, Miss Jean Mosley. And we slowly built up the, the Chronicle from there. Give us a little bit about your background. Why the mayor? Why the mayor call you? Are you the only person breathing? Or what are some of your skills? Or why he may have given you a call? Well, I could I could point it to one event. I took the road home. Well, his road home from my grandparents' house, and I I stopped to speak with him because uh, a friend of mine, or basically brother, Jalen Sullivan, used to be close friends with him. So I stopped and spoke to him out of a courtesy, and I talked to him about his campaign and how I noticed some FDR-esque messaging in his campaign because I'm a huge history buff. FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, just for those who may not be aware. And I complimented him on his style of openness and his focus on, on populism. And I think that kind of insight from a teenager is rare. That's not, that's not to say that I'm inherently special. It's just I took an interest in that kind of thing early on. So I think he appreciated that and saw how that kind of analysis could contribute to a newspaper. So tell me a little bit about the uh, Camp Hill Chronicles. The Camp Hill Chronicles has produced one edition so far. It mm -hmm. should be by now, but that's my fault. I'm something of a hat rack. I kind of get home and start changing hats. So I, I credit the lack of progress to my busy schedule. But the Camp Hill Chronicles, as, a, as an idea, is to kind of provide that sense of community for those who can't physically get out or don't desire to get out because of COVID with something to, with something to read. So you'll notice a major theme among many of the articles are, what is the town's government doing? What are the members of the town doing? What are the developments of the community? So it's an effort to keep the citizenry informed as best I can as a high school senior and as editor-in-chief of the Camp Hill Chronicles. So how, uh, outside of the Camp Hill Chronicles, how are many of the people in your, in your local area, how do they receive their news? Do you have any idea? Well, honestly, I, the mayor does his fair share in distributing town events through his various social medias, but I think a lot of people miss them. But it's, it's part of the Chronicle's mission to distribute to as many people as possible, especially the elderly. Because we, whenever we get an edition printed, we drive by car delivering it house to house. Well, I was going to ask you, so is it an actual printed publication? Do you do it online? How, how do people receive it? The Camp Hill Chronicle is a physically printed paper. We print through the Mon Monroe County Printing Press, and it mm -hmm. shipped back to Miss Mosley's house, and we distribute it by car. Oh, wow. So, you, so you're physically shipping it by car. So, so then you have a, a subscription list, and so, then people, so you have people's addresses. I mean, this is really a, a, a real grassroots effort, it sounds like. Uh, it's mostly people, we go to people who have expressed interest at first, and then we go to people that we know are elderly and would have an interest in this kind of thing. 
and and also something else I forgot to mention is we leave it at major nexus nexuses like the town hall, the library, the gas station, like where people will be able to where people where a lot of people will be out and they'll be able to see it and pick it up and get like a curiosity to see what it is. If you didn't exist, not you, but the, the Camp Hill Chronicles didn't exist, um, would there be another source that people might get this information or would there just be a hole? I would say the mayor, may, the mayor and his social media are just as prominent of getting the news out as we are, given that he can whip up a post in minutes and spread it to hundreds of people. So I wouldn't say that we necessarily fill some special role. Well, excuse me. I would say we fill a special role, but I think the mayor is an important part of that. And I know you've only said you've only done one, but about, about how many did you reach? I would say we only got about, we only got 500 copies and I kept 25 or so for myself to distribute to family and interested teachers. But I would say around 500. So you, so you got to about, about half of the town. Yes, sir. That's impressive. I mean, that, that, that's very impressive. Now, um, at, on a personal note, what does the future hold for you after high school? I would like to attend Sanford University in Birmingham. Uh -huh. I would pursue a degree in pre-law with a minor in political science that would eventually catapult me into law school and eventually either a private practice or a career as district attorney of Tallahassee County. So no desires to, to, to be a uh, editor for a great metropolitan newspaper. <laughs> it's not that I wouldn't like that profession. It's just that my sense of justice and trying to affect positive change through the court system has a stronger appeal to me than writing. Now, speaking of justice, does any of that influence the things that you're passionate about? Does any of that creep into the Camp Hill Chronicles? I think we don't cover criminal cases, as it were, but I think our efforts to cover, cover the towns, to cover the town council and the mayor's efforts are a way of political justice. We're keeping them informed so that they know the best ways to vote. So it's just it's just in the way of keeping democracy alive. You're one of the few sort of inter intergenerational collaborations. You mentioned the librarian Gene Mosley earlier, and so you're you're of different generations. How how is that working? And talk about that process if you would. I would say that stylistically, Miss Mosley and I we don't really clash but i think my style of short bursts of work contradicts with her style of sitting down and making like goals and progress in that in that sort of regard so i think our values and morals are consistent with each other's but our style of work does contrast and that doesn't create tension but it does affect how we get things done in relation to each other. Let's say everything goes according to your plan and you go on to Sanford and then the law school. Any plans on a successor for you in Campbell Chronicles? 
I, I would say I haven't thought about that because I've, I've had no one to express interest in fulfilling, in fulfilling my role. So hopefully you will find someone to, to replace you when you go off to college. And um, so, so this publication uh, can continue. I, I certainly uh, applaud the work, the work that you're doing. And um, it's been a real honor to be in conversation with you. I mean, you, you make uh, old guys like me feel good about the future. So thank you so much, uh, Cameron, for taking the time. Yes, sir. Anytime, Mr. Williams. You have a great day now. Laura, the model for the newspaper here in a macro sense is similar to the previous individuals that we've spoken with, but the intergenerational aspect gives it a different dynamic. Your thoughts? The dynamic with this paper is different. I confess to curiosity about what happens when Cameron graduates and goes off to college. But I appreciate Ms. Mosley and Cameron both so much. Their commitment to putting out a paper that will serve their small rural place and help it thrive. I mean, Ms. Mosley's dedication to high standards and helping residents of Camp Hill know one another. And then Cameron's deep understanding of how all that relates to a functioning democracy combined to make them produce something of value across a generational divide. As we wrap this episode, it's important to note that Camp Hill is part of this rural community news network that has been mentioned in other episodes as Pacers. And in our next episode, we'll further explore the meaning of networks for sustainability and of that network in particular. What all the community leaders that I've interviewed thus far shared was a commitment to keep their local communities connected. They recognize that in order to have a thriving democracy, there must also be an informed citizenry. You've been listening to Democracy and the Informed Citizen, the future of journalism in rural Alabama, a collaboration between the Alabama Humanities Alliance and Alabama A&M University and part of the Democracy and the Informed Citizen National Initiative, administered by the Federation of State Humanities Councils and funded by the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation in partnership with the Pulitzer Prizes. I'm your host, Byron Williams. Thanks for listening. Thank you.